everyone. Welcome to the Hell of a Catholic podcast. I am your humble podcast coordinator, John Wheeler. And in this episode, um, Father Branson, our chaplain here at Georgia Tech, Mackenzie, our faith formation director, and Awaz, a, just a PhD student here at Tech, all those folks sit down to discuss the great Russian author Dostoevsky and why we ought to consider reading him. So, yeah, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello. Okay, hello, everyone. Um, This is the Georgia Tech Hell of a Catholic podcast. I am here with Father Branson, um, who isn't going to say anything, Awaz, uh, Pockrell, who is a PhD student, uh, a physics PhD student here at Tech, and kind of my boss. Um, we're going to be talking about Dostoevsky. Uh, You're with both your bosses. <laughs> well, one and a half, arguable. You're the half. <laughs> well, um, yeah, so this, uh, we're recording an episode about Dostoevsky, and we're going to talk about why it is we're recording this. It's partially inspired by Awaz's Instagram bio. Uh, it says, you want to say it? Yes, uh, it says, uh, the world would be a better place if everyone read uh, Brothers Karamazov. The world would be a better place if everyone read Brothers Karamazov. <laughs> so we're going to be discussing, Dostoevsky has been a very helpful author for all three of us, and so we're going to be discussing why we think it's so helpful, and then just propose it to the community, and offer a uh, kind of roadmap of how to approach Dostoevsky if you haven't before. Um, so we're going to start off just kind of speaking to a bit of our own experiences with Dostoevsky. Awaz and myself actually um, became friends over Dostoevsky. Uh, he was assigned to be my mentor when I started research. And the first day in the lab, it was awkward. It was just us two. And we were trying to make small talk. And we didn't have much in common. And then uh, one of us asked the other what your favorite book was. And both of us, it was Brothers K. And that started a lot of really interesting discussions. And now we're really good friends. Um, so, yeah, do you want to talk a bit about your experience? Yeah. So I first started... Um reading crime and punishment i think it was my undergrad years like second year or so and i could not put the book down because it's so it was so captivating and uh i wanted to read more but i didn't really have time and then i in the summer before i came to georgia tech i read brothers karmazov and that completely wrecked me it was like that i the way i look at my life now is before i read brothers karmazov and after like that that was a significant change the way I see the world, the way my philosophy were. And I also remember writing in my journal how, like the last day I was when I was in Nepal, is how I'm going to try to be a better person. And the only, like, I'll, I'm going to look back at this journal in five years and I'll try to be like one of the characters in Brothers Karamazov. Which character? Um, it was Alyosha. Okay. So it definitely, and it definitely changed me so much that I actually changed my Instagram bio too. Like everyone should read Brothers Karamazov. So I am really passionate about talking about Dostoevsky and I've read a lot of his books now. So uh, this is really very fun for me. Um, yeah, my my introduction to Dostoevsky, which we should say is a acclaimed Russian novelist, yes. right? Like yeah. he's a, he's a Russian writer. Mm-hmm. Um, my experience of Dostoevsky was when I was one, my group of friends from high school, like after we graduated, we read books and talked about them and we went through kind of different phases. And even now we're, we're still reading books together and I'm, I'm so grateful for it. 
actually, right now we're reading George Saunders's collection of short stories, 10th of December, which I'm really excited about. But we uh, went through like an American lit phase, and then we went through the Russians. And so the first one I read was Notes from the Underground, which is shorter. And there was a specific line that stuck out to me where he says like, and I've, I've mentioned it in homilies before, so people are tired of me saying it, but he says, if I could define man, I would say that man is the ungrateful biped. Like he who walks on two legs is ungrateful. And I was just kind of knocked down by some of the insights of the book uh, and the things that he was getting at. Fast forward to this, that summer, I was in Mexico studying Spanish and I brought a ton of books with me because you can't like just mm-hmm. study Spanish all day. So in the afternoons, I would read. And I read Brothers Karamazov that summer and was talking about it with my buddies. And I was just knocked down by the beauty of the book, the humanity of it, how important. And I, looking back, there's a line from uh, Monsignor Luigi Giussani when he was teaching, and he said, forgive me for all the quotes I'm going to use, but literature convinced me of what philosophy couldn't. Mm. And we'll talk more about this, but I'm actually really insistent uh, as a priest and as a man on the importance of reading good fiction because one, very rarely are we actually convinced of things through purely like didactic philosophy. And it's not that we are unreasonable, although we are, but like it's not because of that, but actually because we live in time and the thing that actually convinces us of things is actually experiences and time. We are saying like the only people that do like the Relay for Life for Cancer are uh, high schoolers that need to get their volunteer hours, which was my case, right? <laughs> when I was a high schooler, not now. And like people that had a family member or they themselves that suffered from cancer. Like through this experience, it something becomes important to them. And so it's actually, I would argue literature, literature which can often be an embodied philosophy or getting at a specific idea that because it exists like within, it's telling a story, actually can do a better job of arguing a point. And again, we'll talk more about that, but I like particular think that Dostoevsky is such an important man and writer and that he actually has something very important for us to say today. Mm-hmm. There's a great line from uh, G.K. Chesterton who said, Homer is new and mm-hmm. fresh this morning and nothing is as tired as today's newspaper. Mm-hmm. Meaning there's certain writers that actually have an eternal thing to say. And I think Dostoevsky is one of them. Yeah, I think you see that... Um and the different people who've been like struck by Dostoevsky like throughout history that in some way more than other like writers who write about philosophies Dostoevsky has this ability to speak to the human experience not just to try to preach like a way of thinking but just to show like honest stories uh he uses a quote in multiple of his books where he says he's quoting like a really old Roman philosopher but he says I am man nothing human is alien to me and you see that, like, people like Sigmund Freud, uh, the past three popes we've had, Einstein, uh, people like Peter Kraft, Nietzsche, um, us three have, you know, felt like Dostoevsky. <laughs> I'm glad you included us three. After Nietzsche. <laughs> Nietzsche and, yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the list, right? That's the order. Um, have somehow felt like Dostoevsky encapsulated mm. something that they've lived. And, yeah, like were moved by this author. So, like, there's something really interesting in particular about, like, Dostoevsky and his stories that's worth looking at. Yeah, And also people from different backgrounds, too. Yeah, I mean, right? you and I, like, yeah. is a good that, example. Exactly. And, I was like, Einstein, he said, like, Dostoevsky gives me more than any scientist, more than Gauss. 
And even Nietzsche, who looks like he doesn't read any philosophy, uh, <laughs> he also said the only psychologist from whom I uh, had something to learn is Dostoevsky. So you can see how Dostoevsky's book, like I, I read about how Bill Clinton's favorite book, like, you know, Hillary Clinton's favorite book is also like Brothers Karamazov. It's, it's like people from all different lifestyle, yeah. all different experiences are influenced by this um, Russian man who wrote this like incredible book in like 1800s, which is still relevant today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Awaz grew up in Nepal, um, mm-hmm. grew up with Hinduism, and then I grew up in the Southeast United States, <laughs> Catholic family, and yet like both of us in similar parts of our life read this book and it was able to connect us like mm-hmm. very quickly. Exactly. So there's just something very human about Dostoevsky. And I, I think it's important just to say a word about the life of the man. Yeah. Like who yeah. he was, because <laughs> there are things that he actually says that are from his experience or what he saw, particularly, yeah, his, like, exile. Um, But, like, if you want to say a quick word about his life. Yeah, um, Dostoevsky, he was born in uh, 1821 in Moscow. Uh, His father worked as a doctor, was devoted to treating the poor. He had a terrible temper, but he struggled with epilepsy a lot through his life, and which you actually see in different characters in the book, like all of his book, big four novels. And... um, he like one of the significant events in his life was he was part of this uh, circle. I forgot the name of the circle. Uh, it was a Petrushevsky. I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. But, but it was sort of like a book club, if I like read that correctly. But he was uh, the whole book club or the circle was accused of spreading propaganda, and they were um, specifically they were reading banned books. Banned books, exactly. Um, yeah, there was one in particular by Belinsky, the uh, Letter to Gogol. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like we forget like how things were at that time, what the Russian government was mm-hmm. like and to read things like there were specific things that you were not allowed to read that mm-hmm. were banned. Right. Yeah. And he uh, he was um, I think he was jailed for a couple months and then he mm-hmm. was at the firing squad. He was taken to the firing squad. But at the end, right before he was executed, he was given um, reprieve. Yeah. Reprieve. Um, and then he was sent to Siberia for like, I think, four, eight years. So Four years of hard exile. Four years of hard exile, yeah. So all throughout the book, like one thing, like when I first re- like found, out, found that out, I was so struck, like what, like uh, sitting, like just sitting through a gun, staring at the gun barrel and look like thinking about you're going to die at any time soon and having to come back from that. The amount of trauma or things that you actually think about the experience like how that has sort of inspired these great books, right? Um, then he came back, and um, after his exile, he um, wrote House of the Dead, which is actually from his experiences in the Siberia. And then he uh, wrote Notes from the Underground, which is, in, as Father talked about, is an excellent book, but it was sort of like a uh, rebuttal to this, like, uh, materialistic sort of rationalism that was going on in... Um, in his time in the 1800s, um, and which he didn't agree with. So after Notes from the Underground, he wrote Crime and Punishment, which was highly successful. Like, everyone loved his Crime and Punishment. He wrote it super quick, quick too. too. Exactly. And, um, but he, again, Dostoevsky struggled with gambling affairs, drinking a lot throughout his life. Uh, so after that, he needed a lot of money. The collectors were all on him, and he was fleeing out, in and out of the country. And then to get money he wrote uh well that and other other stuff but he wrote idiot um and the idiot we'll probably talk more about the idiot the book 
And um, after he wrote Idiot, I think he wrote Demons. Uh, as um, Demons is also very like inspired by a political murder that was that happened in that time. And then he wrote Brothers Karamazov, which uh, is considered his one of the greatest book. And which like he wanted to write a sequel to the Brothers Karamazov, but unfortunately he died uh, yeah. after. Like, so the Brothers of years. K is like the last book that he wrote. Yes. Um, yeah, and I think you see, like, in this man's life, uh, is, like, you can just see already one of the reasons that he's so particularly helpful is that he understood the complexity of just the human experience, starting from a young age with his father, who worked for the poor and was a good man, but also struggled with the temper and with the drinking, and then he himself, um, seeing in Siberia these different types of people, like the hyper-intellectuals who were cynical and hated the world and were skeptical and wanted things to change and had all these ideas, and seeing like the dead end of that, and then seeing like the very religious, pious men, like the good mm-hmm. men um, that he encountered in Siberia, and his like attachment to Russian Orthodoxy like really strengthened while he was in Siberia. And yet, at the same time, he was a man who struggled with skepticism himself, and writes one of the best, if not the best, atheist characters in literature, mm-hmm. Ivan and Brothers Karamazov. Yeah. So he understands like this dynamic, and in his own life, like, he understands like what goodness is. He, he writes characters who have like genuine, uh, like love for people and live like really good lives. And yet he himself struggled with the gambling, with the affairs, with drinking. He knew the way that you can live in a way that contradicts, um, like how you want to live. And he understood that. Like, he understood human psychology, like, very, very well. And the, like, seriousness of life in the sense of, and I think you can see this with a lot of Russians and, like, the amount of mm-hmm. um, suffering that they have lived. But especially, yeah, put, having a, a gun, a line of guns lined up in front of you. Like, to actually ask, what is my life for? Uh, and what is the point of all of this? Mm-hmm. And what is essential to my life. And also, yeah, recognizing human fragility in front of it. I know we've talked before that specific scene in Brothers Karamazov with Zosima, mm-hmm. where talking about, like, the more I love humanity in general, the less mm-hmm. I love the individual. Mm-hmm. And Zosima saying, strive to, lo- strive to see the person is made in the image and likeness of God, and you will see that they are. Right. Um, but, like, yeah, there's a great, like, love and sympathy of humanity with also a great honesty in front of the fragility and complexity of things. Um, some incredible, like, villainous characters, too. Yeah. So some of the other reasons we wanted to say that he is, like, so particularly helpful, he really shows um, the impact that philosophy has, like, practically on your life. It's especially in Brothers Karamazov and Crime and Punishment. Again, he doesn't, like, preach certain philosophies, but he shows that when you try to live out a philosophy, uh, if it's a bad philosophy, there are consequences. And characters who are struggling to, even when they struggle with skepticism, you see that in um, the Aloysia character in Brothers Karamazov, but are, like, trying to live by, like, these better philosophies. Um, They have, like, effects on other people that when you try to love people, even if it's messy, like, things beautiful things happen and people can change and redemption can happen and then like the alternative when like these uh very common philosophies at the time that were like much more cynical um very like nihilistic um they have an effect like when you try to live them out you see that they fail just by like the harm that they produce in yourself and in other people and he just shows that like that that that's an important point like in all of the books like um from him he uses this 
He has these characters, these incredible characters, and he gives them these ideals, these moral values, and just throws them in the backdrop of this Russian uh, society. And you see how these moral ideal ideologies collide with each other, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have in Brothers Karamazov, of the brothers, in um, Idiot, there's Mishkin, and um, Ganya, and like Nastasia. So you see, like this is what happens in real life too, because you see like people coming from different backgrounds, from like different countries, different faith, and you see these ideals collide, and you see happening in these real characters. And Dostoevsky is so good at describing. I mean, you you like if you read Crime and Punishment, you'll notice this: what goes into human minds, right? Each thought is so well described, yeah. and it's just beautiful. And it, he invites the reader to go on to this journey with the character. And I was actually listening to a Lex Friedman podcast the other day, and him and uh, Jordan Peterson were geeking about like favorite Dostoevsky book, and they were saying Brothers Karamazov. But one of the quotes that struck me, and Lex said, was like he finds all of his friend in Dostoevsky characters, right? Every person he meets in real life, he finds them in Dostoevsky characters, and it's so true because the way that Dostoevsky describes these characters is beautiful literature and he invites you he never imposes any philosophy on you which goes back to like the point of not preaching but showing through fiction right yeah. what this philosophy can have what consequences this philosophy can have in people's lives um yeah yeah i think one of the the things i think we see in the modern world is this the separation of like the mind and reality mm -hmm. And that gets dangerous in a number of ways, especially because you can have an idea of a philosophy of life that isn't actually livable. It doesn't mm. work because it's purely in the realm of ideas. Mm. And somebody can point to it in life to be like, well, it doesn't work. Look at this. And you can be like, well, mm. it wasn't implemented well or whatever. Right. Mm. Uh, but it, it, it is impervious because it's not real. And... That is such a deadly thing because you can live things that are actually really, really bad for you and there's no rescue. And for me, reading, I read Crime and Punishment for the first time this past summer. I actually had a hard time getting into it. For me, Brothers Karamazov was super easy. Yeah. Crime and Punishment was really, really difficult. It took a while. But, so I read it with friends. So that made it a lot easier. And I was knocked down by the beauty of it, the intelligence of it, and the honesty mm -hmm. And for me, reading specifically Crime and Punishment about, one, we can have this idea where we think our ideas are really novel and we're ahead of the time and we're like moderns and everything. And it's really funny reading Crime and Punishment where the characters are like, we're modern people. We have all of these ideas. And they're talking about the same things we're talking about today. And this is 1860s Russia. So it kind of humbles you in the sense of whenever we think that maybe we're past whatever – that we're actually yeah. not. And in fact, maybe we're living old ideas. Mm. So that, that was interesting and in asking like which of these philosophies is actually livable. We're kind of mm. walking on thin ice because we're trying to talk about these things without giving away spoilers. Mm. But part of the thing of crime and punishment is a specific philosophy of the time, which is mm. prevalent again today, mm. that isn't actually livable. And Raskolnikov, uh, again, without giving things away, thinks he's living a philosophy of life that will make him a great man when you actually look at the man himself he's a, a mess he's a total mess of a human being a disaster like not living an ordered life at all and in fact is constantly needing help from others and rejecting that help mm -hmm. the other thing to say really quickly is 
I don't think it, for me anybody gets at the actual interior movements of the heart than Dostoevsky and the complexity of it. And even you watch shows where a character makes a decision and they just do it and mm-hmm. that's it. But that's not actually what life is really like. We often feel called to something, take a step, take a step back, walk back, distance ourselves from it, commit again, like really struggle. Yeah. And there's a specific moment even to just highlight of when Raskolnikov is thinking about doing this terrible thing and he has this like nightmare and this sleepless night and then he's thinking of it and he says uh he was pale his eyes were burning all his limbs felt exhausted but he suddenly seemed to breathe more easily he felt he had just thrown off the horrible burden that had been weighing him down for so long and his soul suddenly became light and peaceful lord he pleaded show me my way i renounce this cursed dream of mine Walking across the bridge, he looked calmly and quietly at the neva, at the bright setting of the bright red sun. In spite of his weakness, he was not even aware of any fatigue in himself. It was as if an an abscess in his heart, which had been forming all that month, had suddenly burst. Freedom, freedom. He was now free of that spell, magic, sorcery, obsession. So he has this moment of clarity of, I'm contemplating doing this bad thing. I shouldn't do it. And in that, he experiences lightness and freedom. Later on, he hears the possibility of actually doing this terrible thing logistically at work. And he's like, well, I have to do it. And in that, he feels outside of his body and feels trapped. And I, as a priest, walking with people in this, I'm like, well, shoot. This is the experience of the spiritual life that I see in people all the time without them noticing. Of whenever they take a movement towards the good and saying yes to something outside of them and saying yes to God, there's an experience of lightness and freedom and actually like a, a interior fatigue that fades away. But in the same breath, there's the possibility of grasping the thing that they think that they want. And they're like, well, I don't have a choice. Now's the opportunity. I can't waste it. I should take it. And they grasp. And in that, they actually don't feel free. They feel trapped and doomed by it. And I see those interior movements of the heart as a priest all the time and that's actually how like god works like through freedom and then actually how evil works through like you're not going to get another chance grasp take it now this will be gone this is your only chance do it and we feel enslaved by that and it was like there's no one else that i see writing what the actual interior movements of the heart are like dostoevsky and it's just a little moment but so much of uh crime and punishment in particular is these interior movements of the heart that have real consequences and you see the beauty and the tragedy of it and what works and what doesn't work and dostoevsky is actually like offering gently a way out there's clear characters that even in their brokenness show a way forward that other people often have interiorly already rejected while they're living a philosophy that is not livable and I, I'll, I'll, but like I, I see so much that people are living philosophies that don't work and are not livable and don't recognize it and then thumb their nose at others that they think that they are better than when that person actually maybe is living out a, a more livable philosophy of life. 100%. I think like the freedom element that you spoke at, like Dostoevsky looks at the dynamic of like human freedom like in just such a nuanced way that in characters like attempt like Raskolnikov a lot of what you see in crime punishment is his attempt to like grasp at this freedom he thinks that like is greatness 
Um, and yet you see like time and time again, not just in Crime and Punishment, but in like a lot of different characters that freedom is like what the, uh, John Paul II said, where freedom is not the ability to do whatever you want, but the ability to do what you ought. That in trying to like break some sort of like shackles of human nature, characters actually find themselves less free. And it's when they submit themselves to like the love of other people, to the help of other people, um, that they actually find freedom. And it's like a messy, messy thing. And it's not something yeah. that ever clicks mm. for one character like immediately. And other characters also like within freedom can say no. Like you see that mm. in some of his other novels, like no, no spoiling, but characters who are like given like a chance out, who are given like love and just say no to it. And then other characters mm. who say yes, and then no, and then yes, and then no. And there's just this messy dynamic of human freedom, and Dostoevsky like, doesn't shy away from it. I think the one of his most famous scenes, um, it's in Brothers Karamazov, it's the, called the Grand Inquisitor scene. And it's just, in and of itself, it's almost like a mini story in the middle of Brothers Karamazov, and it is one of just the most interesting uh, pieces. It's almost a short story um, in Brothers Karamazov. And basically what it is, is Jesus um, speaking with a uh, in Spanish inquisitor, a cardinal, um, in like 1600 Spain. And the cardinal accuses Jesus of like a number of things, but and is very angry with Jesus. But one of the things he accuses him of is only coming for those who are strong enough for holiness. Mm -hmm. um, he says, I think I have the quote here, uh, in the name of heavenly bread, thousands and tens of thousands will follow you. What will become of the millions and tens of thousands of millions of creatures who will not be strong enough to forego earthly bread for the sake of the heavenly? Um, and so he basically accuses Jesus of only coming for the strong and those who are too weak to um, like choose the good, who are too weak to not fall into these temptations are screwed. And Dostoevsky like, shows through the narrative that like actually Christ is the only one who came for the weak that you have people who are trying to by their own strength overcome their human limitations you see that in almost every novel and it doesn't work man's not able to do that but then you have like very very weak characters and characters who like in submitting to their nature and in submitting to like help from others um, who are like saved not in spite of their weakness but like through their weakness that it's like these other philosophies who are, you know, seem like they're speaking out for the weak man, who are actually like damning the weak man. And it's Christianity um, or like the, what Dostoevsky is showing that is actually for like the weak man, not for like the one holy enough to um, not be tempted, but the one who's able to accept their nature and accept help from other people. And yeah, he like shows that. Which makes sense in the life of like Dostoevsky himself, right? right? Who struggles yeah. with gambling addiction and is kind of a mess and all of these things. But he's like shows these like beautiful things mm -hmm. and yeah. says these incredible things. And he has something to say and he's such a help for my life while also being this mess, right? Like he actually himself lives this out of this is for everyone and actually passes through like the humility of uh, like accepting reality as a gift or accepting this like greater thing that isn't the fruit of my like mental or mental faculties or of my will that isn't the like fruit of my uh, my gifts my my ability to control either intellectually or through like the act of the will but is a gift that one uses the intellect and will to receive and there's even like he says like in crime and punishment uh, one of the characters saying to Raskolnikov 
he says, uh, first of all, you needed a change of air for a long time and suffering is also a good thing after all. Suffer then. Mikolka may be right in wanting to suffer. I know belief doesn't come easy, easily, but don't be too clever about it. Just give yourself directly to life without reasoning it. Don't worry. It will carry you straight to shore and set you on your feet. What shore? How do I know? I only believe that you have much life ahead of you. Um, he goes on. But he's like, actually put yourself in front of life. He's not saying don't reason, but be in front of reality, right? And he's like, all right, you live this bad philosophy. Don't let that destroy you. Like, it's not too late. Yeah, and one of the things that I think I find it very interesting when reading any of his novels is, um, like, a lot of friends that I've talked to, like, when I recommend Dostoevsky, they were always like, oh, it's such a big book. It's like, there's so much philosophy I cannot digest. But what's interesting about these books and all the Crime and Punishment Brothers Karamazov is they're really driven by plot. The plot is really thrilling like if you just if you just disregard all the philosophy and you don't want to think about all these different ideas uh, the fiction in itself is just beautiful to read and i find that very interesting because if the fiction was not as good as the philosophy it would just be like imposing something on me right so the characters the journey of the characters and the the plot line and everything flows so well with the philosophy that he's showing for these characters and that's why i think it's like it's so great what was it about brothers karamazov and i've always wondered this because Mm -hmm. uh here you are like reading this in nepal this Mm -hmm. is a russian man very different background very different life like what was it about brothers karamazov that like struck you for me when i was reading it it was the ending like the ending just like pierced uh through my heart uh, for, for lack of a better word here um and because i kept going back and forth like for a, month, a couple of months thinking about like dostoevsky he went through i read his biography he went through so much and he had so many options on how that ending could have been like but I, when i was reading it i was saying okay this is how it's going to end this is how it's going to end Dmitri is going to do this this but he ended on a such a positive note like that ending scene i don't want to spoil anything but that just made me like, wow. Like if the whole story, there's so many things that happen and this is the ending of the book, yeah. then like, why don't I try to change something about myself? It's, it was just a moment where it just occurred to me, like that, that possibilities of ending and what he chose to do. This right? is what I'm fascinated by though, because I think like, you look at a writer like George R. R. Martin, mm-hmm. where George R. R. Martin loves, who wrote, who wrote like, is writing maybe Game of Thrones. Uh, I don't think he'll finish. That's my bet. But uh, that's just to throw shade. Um, but he's basically, he loved Lord of the Rings, but he's like, it ends in this beautiful way. That's not what real life is like. That's not realistic. So he writes Game of Thrones being like, I want to do fantasy, but I want it to be real. And I want there to be urgency with the characters and everything. But it's ultimately very cynical mm-hmm. and and uh, about like and misanthropic in some way about what it means to be human. And I think the genius and beauty of Dostoevsky mm-hmm. is he lives the depth of human brokenness on a societal level of the the evils of like the Russian government mm-hmm. and all of these like things, right? And then he lives personal weakness in himself, right? Mm-hmm. And all the things. And yet he ends on a genuinely hopeful note. Yeah. And not as like, let's pretend, mm-hmm. or I have to tie it up on this ni- nice bow. But actually, this is what life is. Yeah. 
And this opens a genuine question of who can say this, mm. right? Like, does he see something that like George R. R. Martin doesn't see mm-hmm. or not? And that is fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In one of the papers I read about Dostoevsky, it had this really good line where it said, his unrelenting honesty did not in the end lead him to despair, but rather to the heart of Christianity that he, like, he grew up with Russian Orthodoxy, um, but it was in, like, a Siberian prison camp that he, like, embraced it. Um, and there's something about, he doesn't accept, like, cheap-sounding, like, Christian dogmas at their face and not explore, like, the darkness. He explores the darkness, goes through it, and it's very believable. Like, this is a man who, like, knows how twisted a person can be. He doesn't pull punches at all. And then at the end, like, he still shows, like, ultimately, like, man's nature is good. Like he was made for beauty and he can look it in the face and say no, but he can't change like what he was made for. And you have like lines like Michigan in uh, The Idiot where he says beauty will one day save the world. There's this hope that is like also there's no it's not despair, there's a darkness and then there's a hope together that is just so powerful that like you and Nepal and like all these figures like since Dostoevsky wrote have been like so hit by the way he writes. It is something, like, remarkable and, like, worth reading. Exploding. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay, so we're so, like, I think, I think we've argued pretty well for, like, that Dostoevsky is worth, like, does he see something that I don't see, and mm. what does he see, right? Mm. So the question is, is where to start? And I think we may all have all different <laughs> answers on this, but where to start? All right, I'm a Georgia Tech student. I'm studying civil engineering. Mm -hmm. I don't usually read, like, novels. Uh, It's intimidating. Where do I start? If you don't normally read novels, Awaz and I talked about this for a bit, because we started, all three of us started somewhere different. Um, If you don't normally read novels, the one that is the fastest-paced, most plot-driven kind of a thriller would be Crime and Punishment. Um, and that one has, like, we've brought it up a number of times. There's, like, a lot of, like, really, really good stuff in Crime and Punishment. But it is the most uh, plot-driven. Mm. Uh, some people find it the easiest to read. Father Michael said for him like, that was the easiest. The smallest one. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely go with the Crime and Punishment. Um, I, I, I keep go, go, going back and forth between Notes from the Underground and Crime and, Crime and Punishment, but I think I'll go with Crime and Punishment because Notes from the Underground is... It's a small book. It's a hundred pages, like around that book, yeah, it's but short. it's very chilling. I remember have like re- when I was reading it, I'm like, this is an existential horror book. It is it, like the philosophy behind it is so great, but it's gonna take a lot to digest all of that. And if you're like I, I don't know. I I the introduction to Dostoevsky of Crime and Punishment. I fear people are gonna run away. <laughs> it's a, so I feel like the crime and punishment would be the best and after that I would like if you're interested in the philosophy behind it or if you like Dostoevsky I would directly go to it but scar myself and I do want to say something about the idiot and I think when I was like preparing for this I realized how good of a book that is hmm. and it's uh, it goes under the radar a lot because of these two great books that is in front of it crime and punishment but scar myself and I'll just briefly say something about idiot it, there's a character called Prince Mishkin and Dostoevsky, when he wrote a letter to, when he was writing Idiot, he wrote a letter to his niece saying like, he wanted to create a character that is an ideal good man. Mm-hmm. Like, and he says the only character in real life that was ideal good man was uh, Christ, but in fiction we only have one, which is Don Quixote. 
but he was ideal be and good because of the comical nature. But I want to write something that perfectly good and uh, honest and ideal man. And he like you see how that story like ties into like how that falls out when he mm. goes into the real world and the characters. And it's such a great book. Um, I'm reading Demons right now, so I'll recommend that later. I'm reading The Idiot right now. So, yeah. but like I. I would argue start with Brothers Karamazov. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think that, like, yeah, I had a hard time with Crime and Punishment. Mm -hmm. I tried to read it multiple times, and it wasn't this time around. Like, oh. Brothers Karamazov, I immediately, like, was in. Mm. Uh, but I would say more than anything else, the best thing that you can do is read it with friends. Yeah. I, I would argue yeah. that, like, one, it gives you a reason to keep going and some sort of accountability. But two, to actually like talk about it. And some of us like process through sharing these things with others. Mm -hmm. So I would say like, I'm, I'm debating like, do we read Brothers Karamazov as a community this summer? But like, I, I that I don't know. But uh, I would say the most important thing is actually to read it with friends mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and to do it together. And so like, if you have other people, it's like, hey, let's read this together. Let's gather together, like, let's mm -hmm. do it. And I think wherever you start, that's the most important thing is like these books are meant to be like lived with your friends. Agreed, yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. I'd say Brothers Karamazov too. Yeah. That's what made me fall in love with him and what inspired me to read the rest yes. of him. You've been outvoted a while. <laughs> That's rough, man. I might go with idiot because I don't know. <laughs> You're still outvoted. <laughs> Changing your vote yes. doesn't change the number. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I think we're going to call it there, but yeah, I think we made a good case. Um, the premise of this was just to propose something that the three of us found helpful. Um, and yeah, hopefully if one person reads Brothers Karamazov because of this. It's, I do want to point out one last thing. Tomorrow is Dostoevsky's birthday. Yes. His 201st birthday. Which is Man. basically his yeah. 21st. So yeah. But you should say the date because when this comes out is not. November 11th. November 11th. Dostoevsky's yeah. birthday. Um, yes. Okay. Happy birthday, Dostoevsky. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of interesting how like he wrote this book 200 for, like he was born in like 200 years ago he didn't write and it we're still talking years. about yeah like his ideas and he's still so um some cranky yeah, russian guy yeah man it says something it's yeah, yeah. something universal about the man Thank you for listening to uh, the Georgia Tech Catholic Center Hell of a Catholic podcast and uh, stay with us. There is more to come. Yeah.